All right, Sandy Rios with you. Yes, you are listening to Sandy Rios 24-7, even though you thought you might have the wrong place today, but you haven't. Let's listen to this cute little video. Just a few more seconds. All right, so that, yeah, what is that? Well, let me just say this. In light of banks failing around the country, uh, we think of the Silicon Valley Bank, but it's not the first bank. Uh, there are other banks that have gone under, and part of the reason seems to be, call me crazy, that they are unserious about handling money. So, for instance, that was a video produced by and paid for with the depositor's money, a video uh, where their employees are jumping around and dancing, and the couple of guys have on Viking horns. Uh, yeah, so that's what they were doing before they went under, because they did. They had to be bailed out, even though they had $189 billion on, on, in their accounts. All right, so that's Signature in New York. And then uh, to move even further with a Signature Bank, uh, this is um, what they were doing with the money right before they went under. They, this is Scott Shea. He's the chairman of Signature Bank. And uh, he first speaks, and he's welcoming everyone to uh, a critical pride council. You'll hear him say that. And then you'll hear Finn Brigham, who was a gender, queer, trans, masculine at the bank. His role is he's the director of project management. So you can imagine that what they're going to talk about is handling your money and how to, how to make the most for you and how to make the most for the bank, right? Well, let's listen. I'm Scott Shea, chairman of Signature Bank, and it is a pleasure for me to welcome you to this multimedia, multicasted, multi-spatial meeting of the Pride Council. And I'm just thrilled that there are about 40 people in the room. I understand there are something like 190 people at watch parties. So hi to you all at the watch parties. You know, the most common pronouns that folks are familiar with are she and he. Becoming much more common, and I, you know, I don't know if there's anyone in the signature bank world, but probably you have clients that use they, them as pronouns. Um, they're gender neutral pronouns on purpose. We talked about folks that are non-binary that intentionally don't identify as male or female. So some of those folks use they, them as their pronouns. Z is another gender neutral pronoun. Um, and the other part of that would be here, spelled H-I-R. All right, so that's exactly, at least in part, Perhaps, maybe, the reason banks are failing. Uh, like many other corporations, they have their minds someplace else. We're going to talk about that today with one of my favorite guests, Kevin Freeman. He's the host of Economic War Room on Blaze TV, and you won't be disappointed because Kevin has a lot to say about what's happening to our country in terms of our financial sovereignty. But meanwhile, let me just say, as I always do, I want to thank Preborn for being our sponsor. What would we do without them? While our administration is considering declaring a public health emergency on abortion, the battle is far from over. Overturning Roe versus Wade was huge, but let's not forget this. Day after day after day, young women, scared young women, who don't think they have options, are choosing abortion. Preborn Network of Clinics has rescued over 200,000 babies. The majority of the women who come in their clinics are being pressured to abort. Preborn seeks these women out before they make the ultimate choice and introduces them to the life growing inside of them through free ultrasound. And you and I are the ones that provide the resources. If you haven't done so yet, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy. Why, why are you going there? Because 
you can, with $28, pay for one of the ultrasounds, just one, just one, saving the life of just one baby, one baby at a time. If you can afford to give more, then of course, please do that. But go to preborn.com slash Sandy and give generously to preborn. So meanwhile, sit back and relax. Well, you might not be too relaxed during this one. Maybe take out a piece of paper and a pen. And uh, let's listen to what's happening to America's money on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. The most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. Have you heard about this thing called ESG? Most people have not. It stands for Environmental Social Governance. On its surface, ESG claims to have a well-intended objective. But under the surface, lurking inside the ambiguous language and claims of social compassion is something very different. In reality, ESG policies are a backdoor that progressives are using to invade our economy so they can advance their radical economic, social, and climate agenda. Everything that makes our nation the greatest in history is being threatened by an agenda that would dismantle life as we know it. There is something we can do to stop this and preserve the nation we love for another generation. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Uh, there, I don't need to convince any of you that when it comes to finance, money, the things that we own, our future, our retirement, we are in crisis uh, we can see that banks are failing. We can see that inflation is still rising. We can see the gasoline is off the charts. We can see that um, we have trouble. Uh, and so with your investments, you see them shrinking. And so I can't think of anyone better to talk about this than someone who I've known for years who is really one of the nation's leading experts in economic warfare. In fact, he might have even coined that phrase. He's the host of Economic War Room for Blaze TV. He's the author of books like According to Plan, Secret Weapon, and Game Plan. Uh, and um, he joins us today. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Sandy. Always. Kevin, I, I remember, I think I was, I know, I was still in Chicago when I first uh, met you by, you know, as a guest of mine through our mutual friend, Frank Gaffney. And um, when I talk to you, I always find myself wishing I could talk to you more often because you have so much knowledge and you make it so uh, understandable for people that are not into the money world. So thank you for that. Um, okay, I want to ask you something funny uh, first. Oh, this may be not so funny, but I did not realize until I read your long bio today that you wrote a business plan for Sir John Templeton in 1990. You helped him build the Templeton Private Client Group, and I could go on and on because you you worked with him for years. You helped organize. He was, by the way, for people that don't know, John Templeton was a very, very wealthy British, I guess he was a Christian. He gave to Christian causes. Um, he was very, very famous during that time. Is there anything if I've left out about John Templeton, uh, Kevin? 
Well, he actually was born in Winchester, Tennessee. He moved to the Bahamas oh. and was knighted by the by the Queen, so he was Sir John Templeton. But he was the pioneer, very first global investor, and he started in the late 1930s. You know, when when World War II was about to break out, he started as a global investor. Terrible timing, but he was so amazing, and his performance and track record was was as good as any, uh, Warren Buffett included. You know, the reason I mention him, of all the things that you've done, and there's like three or four pages, I mean, things, you've done incredible things. And I'm going to give a shout out to some of those to just give people an idea. But this this one caught my eye because, do you remember this huge event at the University of Chicago in the early 90s uh, where the Templeton Prize, the John Sir John Templeton Prize of a million dollars was awarded to Chuck Colson? Oh, I was there. Absolutely. He gave the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse speech, and there was also uh, the Dalai Lama, which who's in the news lately, uh, gave his speech with his world philosophy, which was literally, be happy. We must all learn to be happy. I mean, that's what he said. But anyway, I was there. One of the most brilliant speeches I've ever heard by Chuck Colson. Well, uh, so the reason I mention it, because I was there, too. It was the World Conference on Religions, and Kevin, that was my very first week on radio in Chicago. It was my very first big event as, a, as the uh, host of a, of a radio show, and I interviewed Chuck Colson after it. I remember I was an absolute nervous wreck, but I didn't. I, the, the beautiful chapel of the University of Chicago was such a great setting, uh, and it was just an absolutely fascinating event. And do you remember what year that was? I don't. Uh, we we can look it up. I do remember this. Uh, a lady who worked with us at Templeton, we took our whole team to, to that presentation. She said, you're only doing it because Chuck Colson's a Christian. Now, we were officed in California. And, and I said, no, 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 we're doing it because it's John Templeton. No, you're just doing it to, to push your Christian faith. And I said, no, we're doing it because it's John Templeton. Kevin, is a, his whole knowledge of economics bleeds into the, the use of economics to wage war. Uh, he has consulted and briefed members of the, both the U.S. House and Senate, uh, CIA, DIA, FBI, Secretary of the Homeland Security, the Justice Department, as well as local and state law enforcement. There's a lot more to say about him, but he's also a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy. And with that, let's just jump in here, Kevin. I don't need to explain to people, because I'm sure that if they're paying any attention at all, they're very nervous about banks right now. What, two weeks ago? Three? Time passes so quickly. Um, banks were failing, and the feds were bailing them out. What, first of all, what what about those, what started that? What was that all about? I know it's complicated, but as best you can, simply, what happened there? Yeah, what, what simply happened is we have a, a fractional banking system. That means that there is not enough money in the vault to meet every depositor, because they take some of that money and they invest it in houses, or they invest it in loans, or they invest it in treasury bonds. And the banks um, had uh, some of that money invested in long-dated treasury bonds, so 30-year treasury bonds, and they had gone down down in value because interest rates had gone up. Uh, Interest rates and bond prices move inversely. When you have an increase in interest rates, the value of existing bonds that pay 1% will be less than the value of new bonds that pay 2% or 3% or 4%. And so they had on their books, they don't have to mark to market treasury bonds, but they had on their books uh, a potential uh, decline in market value of their securities, and they didn't have enough cash in the vault. And so when somebody tweeted 
that there's a run on the banks, people flooded, and they don't. You don't have to go in like they did in It's a Wonderful Life and show up at the bank and ask Jimmy Stewart for your money. You you can literally take a phone and you can um, swipe across and you can get money. Uh, removed and moved to another another part of your account. Oh, no, wait a second. You said something that piqued my interest. I've never heard, I, I, I'm not that it's not been out there, but I haven't heard. This started with someone tweeting or making it public that there was a run on the banks. Do you think that was the genesis of this, causing, the, well, causing was, people to start it, withdrawing? It, there were rumors behind the scenes. That's how bank runs always start, rumors behind the scenes. And, and in this case, Kim.com. Uh, said, get your money out of the banks. If the banks are failing, there's a tweet that was there. But there were other problems at Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, they spent a lot of money on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, they spent a lot of money uh, at, at Silicon Valley Bank on Black Lives Matter. I think they gave $74 million to Black Lives Matter. And I'm sure that, that the investors in that bank would like to have a little bit of that back now that their bank has um, been closed and gone out of business. Uh, so they had a lot of problems, but what triggered it? You know, there was gasoline there, and then there were some claws there, and then something struck a match. And what struck the match was the realization that they didn't have enough money in the vault to pay all the depositors, and that they may have to mark down some of the value of the holdings. You know, Tucker did a great piece. I bet you did too, on these banks and their their videos that they were producing about all these woke issues, about racism, about transgenderism, the, the banks that failed at least initially, and I, I don't, I don't, we'll have to catch up on who else has failed since then, were, were crazy woke. They just were, and they were hiring people that seemed to, didn't have a clue, according to Tucker's report, seemed to not have a clue about what money was all about, what they were really supposed to be doing, the understanding of investment in banks. I find, Kevin, do you, would you agree to, with me? Uh, that there is so much hiring of people that are unqualified because of this whole business of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like the best people aren't necessarily being hired to run companies, corporations, and banks right now. Is that true from your perspective? Well, if you put any other factor other than the ability to do your job, it, you're going to cause uh, cause problems. You're going to get less qualified people. And and perfect example of that is the chief risk officer for Silicon Valley Bank was heavily involved in rallies and diversity, equity, inclusion. They viewed risk as uh, climate change or risk as uh, not having the right people on board, you know, the whole ESG issue. And because of that, <laughs> there wasn't a focus on the risk of what happens if interest rates go up uh, and how does that damage our bank. So the feds decide, the Federal Reserve decides to bail, or I don't know if it was the Federal Reserve or if it was the, uh, I don't know whose authority, Commerce, uh, decided to give money to bail this bank out. And yet my understanding is, Kevin, that small banks are not eligible for those same kinds of bailouts. Can you explain that? Yeah, I'm not sure that that, well, what happened is the FDIC, Federal Depository Insurance Corporation has authority uh, to close banks or bail out banks. And what they did, they, they guarantee the first $250,000 on deposit at a specific bank. And so if you're a customer and you had less than $250,000, and you can rest assured that the FDIC was going to cover that, assuming the FDIC has enough money in their pot. And there's questions on that, but I think the federal government will stand behind them. But in this case, something like 94% of the assets in the bank exceeded 
the deposit limits. And so there are a whole lot of people, Chinese companies, uh, Silicon Valley companies, a whole lot of people that stood to lose a lot of money if they closed the bank and they didn't cover every deposit. So the federal government probably came from the Biden White House. Certainly Janet Yellen explained it as Treasury Secretary. We're going to cover 100% of the deposits in this bank because we consider it systemic. And then she was very clear. This does not apply to every bank. And so the question immediately comes up, does a woke California bank get different treatment than a conservative farmer's bank in Iowa? If the farmers have that, because farmers have to have deposits greater than $250,000, you can't run a large farming operation without cash flow. You know, when the harvest comes in, you get a lot of money. If that bank fails, would the federal government guarantee all depositors in it? And the question is, we don't know. We don't know. So it could be used as a political tool. We will bail out the very woke banks where Democrat voters are, but we will punish very conservative banks. We don't. So th- this is a problem of the weaponization of the finance yes. system. I hope that's not the case, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are asking that question. Well, and good for good reason. And so, the with all the other banks that have gone under, and I don't know how many there. I'm I'm guessing a dozen, but I don't know. Do you know what the number is of how many have uh, had to had to ha- have help for the federal government to survive so far? Well, we don't we don't know exactly how many, but two were closed. To a signature bank and Silicon Valley Bank. And you can look at it through multiple lenses. If you look at it from the lens of people who believe in decentralized finance and cryptocurrency, these were two big banks that, that helped and worked with cryptocurrency. So you think, well, maybe they're targeting us. Uh, from another lens, uh, they are um, banks that work with venture capitalists and so forth. So depending on the lens through which you view things, uh, these two big banks, I mean, they're, they're they're in the top 50 banks, top 20 banks uh, in the country. That this this was a big deal, uh, and and to watch a failure at this level uh, coming for you didn't see a problem on Friday before you left for the weekend, but then you see the bank closed on Monday. That's a little scary. All right. So what what should we think? I mean, should we think this is a convergence of different things happening because of the way they handled their money because of the they they're being they we are guessing shown some favor from the feds or is this uh going to sweep do you predict that this is going to sweep across the nation is there danger of that well the danger is is that the primary cause of interest rate increases and inflation rates i mean everybody's celebrating the fact that inflation is only five percent as it was reported today now, let me give you some perspective on 5% inflation. When you have a $32 trillion debt, which our federal government reports $31.67 trillion today, and you have a 5% interest rate, the federal or 5% inflation rate, the federal government theoretically is going to have to pay interest at least at the inflation rate, which means 5% of $32 trillion is $1.6 trillion dollars of interest only and we have 2.6 trillion in total personal income tax receipts that's it 400 billion more for corporations 3 trillion total more than half of that will be going to pay for interest this is this is unprecedented the danger that we have is that the banking system and the federal government and the debt are all going to face the music we got away with it when interest rates were zero during covid 
But now we're all going to have to face the music. We can't afford this. And that's created a threat, a run on the dollar by foreign governments saying, get your money out of dollars. You've got the head of Kenya saying dollars aren't going to be worth anything in two weeks. You have China saying to the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and Saudi Arabia joining, hey, let's no longer use dollars for world trade. So who's going to finance our debt if everyone is running away from the dollar? And what's that going to mean for consumers? It'll mean more inflation. Not, not It's gone down to 5%. Well, it'll go a lot higher if people stop funding our debt. This is a serious economic crisis in the making. And unless we take very intelligent, drastic steps soon, uh, we will find ourselves in the position Greece and Italy found themselves 10 years ago um, mm. or – Zimbabwe or Argentina or Weimar Germany. We, we will be facing a challenge to where the federal government can't pay for everything anymore because they can't borrow the money to do it, or they'll just print it, which will cause more inflation. It, it is a very serious problem, and the tip of the iceberg was Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we should say that this whole business of moving away from the dollar is something that the Chinese have wanted for a long, long time. And it sounds like this is kind of a... You know, you wonder if it's not all connected, like let's set it up so that people are actually willing to entertain that. The dollar has all, you know, when I've traveled overseas in China and all these other countries, Kevin, and I know you have too, the dollar, it means so much to have American dollars. I remember in Russia back in 1991 when I was there, uh, they, they wanted hard currency, they called it. They, the dollar was just the, the thing that the world wanted because it was worth something. And so the Chinese have been trying to stop that for a long time. So this seems like more than convenient to me. Oh, yeah. So I wrote about this in an American Legion magazine in uh, 2012, so 11 years ago. It's a, the, you know, no one would listen was kind of the theme of it. But I said there's going to be an attack on the dollar. This is my Pentagon. When I briefed in the Pentagon from day one, I said this is the end game. Their goal is to break the U.S. dollar, just like George Soros broke the British pound. We will never be the same if they are successful here. And you're right, Sandy. I could walk in any nation on earth with a $20 American dollar bill and they, people would want that. Now they're not wanting it so much. And this is going to be used to usher in central bank digital currency, CBDC. That's the push here. They're going to try and, and get us on electronic money where you don't even have to print it, and they have complete control of it, and you can't buy or sell unless you have it, ultimately. Uh, you know, this, this is the, the source code for the mark of the beast being developed you know here in CBDC. There was a news story out just this week about how the euro, which is now the currency for, you know, the for Europe now that it's all one happy big family, uh, the euro is has dictated that people cannot spend more than a thousand euro at one time. You can't purchase anything over a thousand dollars in cash with the euro. I, I know that's, that's not digital, but that's control. Of how you spend your money. That's exactly where they're headed. That's what they yeah, want is yeah. that level of control. And then 
you won't even notice that the dollar has no value overseas. And then they'll force your investments to go in to buy treasury bonds because they'll have too many of them to sell and nobody to buy them. So your IRA will be forced into treasury bonds. The goal will be to turn your entire retirement account into another Social Security program so that you can't invest in things, prosper, succeed. Uh, so all of this is happening. Now, we have we have a pushback and we have answers and, and there are things we can do about it. But there is no question that China is leading. Since 2013, they came out publicly and said we must de-Americanize the world and de-dollarize the world. They put in motion a plan that Vladimir Putin cooked up five years before them, and the Chinese two senior colonels of the People's Liberation Army cooked up in 1999, and before them, it was uh, the KGB in the Soviet Union. This dates back to the 1930s, and they're about to execute it, and our money, our economy is at risk, and most of America has no idea. Yes, and just to, I I don't think I want to stop on digital currency too much more because of the time. Uh, but let me just say what you just said in a different way so that people can understand. They want to federalize money and make it all digital so that you can do it through your phone. You can do it online. It's so convenient, you see. But ultimately, they will control, eventually, how you spend your money, how much you can spend. They can even take your money. We have stories about that if they choose to do that. That's why we don't want to go to a digital currency, especially federally controlled uh, which leads me to the next thing. You are working on a project in Texas. I guess legislation would be the more accurate choice of words. That's fascinating, Kevin. Tell them about this whole business of using gold, uh, the ownership of gold, to uh, as a back as a backup for your money rather than what you have in the bank. Yeah, well, uh, the Constitution actually says that states can't produce their own money, but the federal government can produce money. It was a reaction to the Articles of Confederation where you had 13 different sets, 14 different sets of money, federal government and 13 uh, states. But states are allowed to use gold and silver coins as tender in their state, which is important because right now we could have an alternative currency in Texas or you could have it in Tennessee or Florida or any other state based on gold and silver. The problem is it's not easily transactionalized. It's hard to carry a gold coin and shave off enough to pay for your your coffee uh, with a few flecks of gold. Uh, but if you did what Bitcoin has done, or or any of these other electronic currencies. Frankly, if you just did what your checking account has done, you could pay for things with a card that would be a debit card, and it would come out of gold, and it would transfer to U.S. dollars and pay the merchant, and, and you would keep and hold that in gold with all sorts of advantages. And there is a private company doing this now called Glint Pay. The problem is it's kept in Switzerland, and you don't have privacy protections. You don't have the tax benefits of it being declared tender. There are a whole lot of reasons it's not optimal, but Texas has a bullion depository, so we have a bill in the Senate of Texas, SB 2334, that would add an ATM card and transactional capability to the existing gold depository that we have and make it possible for any citizen of Texas or any other state to send money to our comptroller. They would buy and hold gold for it, and they'd let you spend it using a debit card or an app on your phone. And it would be held safely in gold. You get benefits against protecting against inflation. You wouldn't have the privacy violations that the federal government does because it'd be held at the state. A whole lot of advantages. That's a, a Senate Bill twenty three thirty four and House Bill forty nine zero three. 
Now we're, you know, this is a podcast, so this will play, you know, past and future. This has not happened yet, but uh, we're recording this uh, in April, about the second week. So when, what's the timeline for these bills, the Senate bill and the House bill? Do you know? Well, if we get them passed in Texas, and, you know, by the time you listen to this, I hope you hear that we passed them, uh, they will, um, they have a, uh, it will go into effect by law at the end of September, and we will have banking services available hopefully this year. And so this really is, this, I, I was told recently that this is a financial arc in a sea of, of credit problems. So that this has been designed and worked on for 15 years by my team. Intellectually, we've looked at the legal and we've worked with the legislators, and now we have the chance to implement it. If we don't get it implemented here, we'll want to implement it somewhere because a state can offer through the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, an alternative monetary system based exclusively on gold or gold and silver that protects citizens and is functional and easy to use and even has some tax benefits. Now, this is fascinating, and it just is just like you to come up with some some solution. You always have. I remember that first conversation. It was coming back to me as you were talking, and I'm talking about back in the 90s when I was on the air in Chicago. I remember you talking about the dollar then. I remember you saying talking about economic warfare. You talked about how personal debt uh, was rising, and it needed to, we needed to stop that. And uh, you were just always the watchman on the wall, Kevin. So, um, but I'm not done talking to you. So just hang on a second. And now, banks. If people are in, uh, you know, like private banks or smaller banks, uh, should they be concerned? I mean, uh, how should they feel about their banking right now? Just sit tight, or what? Well, what I would do is I would recommend that everybody get to get to know their individual personal banker. Go to the branch, meet the branch manager, meet the tellers, and get to know them. There's no guarantee that this will protect you, uh, but it's better to have a relationship. Uh, my my friend Nick Vojcich, and you probably know Nick. He born without arms and legs. He he went into his big nameless, faceless bank, and and they literally canceled his account on him. Uh, he. I don't know if they saw that he uh, wore a MAGA cap someday, or I, not that I don't even know he supported Trump. What I think it is is he spoke at a pro-life rally, and somebody at this big, wow. nameless bank decided they didn't want to have an account with him. And he's the most sympathetic man on planet Earth because he, he loves God, he loves people, he's kind, he's generous, and he was born without arms and legs. And he functions extremely well, brilliant mind. But they just debanked him. Go meet your banker. Don't let them do it to you facelessly. And plus, you'll be able to see, talk to the banker and say, oh, how are you invested? What, what do things look like? Get to know what your bank is like, because we all need to have a bank, and we need banking relationships. So find a good local bank or a branch of a bigger bank where you can build a relationship and have a friendship that, that will allow you to get a better pulse. I would also recommend 1792 Exchange, Paul Fitzpatrick's tool, where you can look at your bank and and they'll, it's a tool. You go to 1792exchange.com and you can type in the name of your bank and you'll see how woke it is or how woke it's not. Oh, that's great to know. And I've done that with my banks. Yes, I will do that. 1792exchange.com. Oh, man, that's great. Yes. That's a great tool. All right, so, um, okay, so... Quickly, and this is not possible, I'm asking you anyway, how do all of these financial crises, the inflation, the banks, uh, the attack against the dollar, et cetera, et cetera, 
How do they tie? And do they tie into the Great Reset coming out of the World Economic Forum? It's 100% tied to the Great Reset. In fact, if your uh, viewers and listeners remember, prior to the pandemic, they war-gamed it. And they, and they said, well, what if we had a, a novel coronavirus escape somewhere? And what if that filters to the population? What will we do? And then they laid out a strategy. We're going to mask everybody up, lock them in their homes, shut down the economy. I mean, they followed that plan almost to a T. Now, you could say it was just a total coincidence that you know a few months after they war came it it happened uh or you might say wow they've planned this out the world economic forum has planned out a run on the banks and they've planned out to silence citizens who question it say things like i'm saying here to, who explain what a run on the banks is and how it works uh because they said that's like shouting fire in a theater and you, you, you're not allowed to legally do that. And if you tell people a bank is failing, then they'll rush to it and people will be hurt by it. So the, the plan is there. And the, the answer is we're going to r- rush in uh, global banking. They're going to uh, consolidate into a few large banks. And we're going to move central bank digital currencies, uh, which are literally the source code for the mark of the beast. So you can't buy or sell without them. They're going to move them in, onto the scenes and, you know, a year ago, if I mentioned CBDC, nobody knew what it was. But everybody is now aware that the government's trying to do their own version of Bitcoin without scarcity, though. They'll print as much of it as we want without uh, privacy, which means they can look on every transaction and control you through your money. So it is just like Bitcoin, except it's exactly the opposite because it's not decentralized, it's not scarce, and it's not private. Uh, whether you love Bitcoin or not, you're, you, everyone will have a reason to hate CBDC. Yeah. Okay. So you've given us some hope with that. The whole notion of using gold as a backup to your money—that's a great. That's not in place yet, uh, at least not user friendly in place. But that's something you're working is, on. Yes. Can, can you what give is us in just place a, is a gold depository? You can you can go to Leander, Texas, and you can hand them a brick of gold, and they'll hold it for you. But you can't spend it. And you can't just send them money and then they buy gold for you and sell it when you need. But that commercial application works. I used it to buy dinner in Colorado Springs a month or so ago. And so we can put that technology. It's like adding an ATM machine and a debit card onto a gold vault. And when we put those two great tastes that taste great together, like Reese's peanut butter cups, they're going to be fabulous. <laughs> and it will be an alternative for Texas and America. Yeah. Okay. One last word. As a Christian, Kevin, which you most certainly are, we look at things differently. I think we actually have a fuller picture. We're able, I think, potentially to have more comprehension and perspective on what's happening than all the secular, for instance, in your in your area in economics. All of the all the money minds in the world cannot compete if there's not this worldview about this about the end times, uh, the mark of the beast that you mentioned. What kind of hope as a Christian? I mean, wh- how should Christian be, be Christians? be handling their money in general and thinking and living right now, knowing all of this? Well, Sandy, my next book is called The Economic War of the Heart, and and I'd love to go into it. It'll take a little long to to cover that. But one of the passages from it comes from the parable of the talents, where Jesus told, uh, Jesus is represented by the master who left talents with his servants. And he said, occupy until I return. Occupy literally means do business. 
And one of those servants was scared, buried their talent, which means buried their money. The other two put the money to work. If you get panicked and you hear all these things happening and then you go into your shell, you're not being obedient to the master. When Jesus comes back, I want to see him working. We also know there's a mark of the beast coming. And I believe that central bank digital currency is going to be connected to it. So you can't buy or sell without it. But if we're to occupy, do business till he comes again, then we have to trust him to provide us a means by which to do that. I hope it's the Texas Bullion Depository. But I trust that no matter what, it is going to be something the Lord has provided for. So we need to be ever vigilant, ever watchful to find the ways that we can occupy until he comes. We shouldn't be afraid of losing our money. That is just a tool God has given us. It is not the purpose of our lives. Jesus, in fact, told the rich young ruler, go sell what you've got, give to the poor, and come and follow me. The money is not supposed to be the important thing. In fact, Luke 16, 11 says very clearly, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with true riches. But Luke 16, 10 says, if you're faithful in the small things, I'll set you over greater things. Money is a small thing. It is not a great thing. It is a tool we are to use. And if you're panicked that you're going to lose your money because of the recession or inflation or whatever, then your eyes aren't on God. You are putting your trust in uncertain riches and not on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I say to all the Christians who are listening, don't put your trust in uncertain riches where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Put your treasure in heaven. That's where we have it. And I believe God will provide for us, whether he feeds us by, by raven at the brook, or he feeds us by a widow with, with a meal, or if he feeds us by a, a coin in a fish's mouth, God can provide for his people. And if we trust him and follow him, I am certain that in these days, if we're in the end times, God will show us a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. Well, all right, Kevin, wonderful. Thank you. Kevin Freeman is the host of Economic War Room, the author of According to Plan, Secret Weapon, Game Plan, and soon The Economic War of the Heart, which I can't wait to talk to you about, Kevin, when it comes out. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, by the way, Economic War Room can be seen on Blaze TV, and it's like a power-packed, what, 45 minutes or whatever it is, or an hour that Kevin brings this kind of information. Is it five days a week? It's a half hour. No, it's only once a week because we go so in-depth, and every episode is accompanied by an economic battle plan. It's a PDF document up to 50 pages sometimes that says, here's what we covered. If we have a guest, we explain who the guest is. We say, here's the problem, here's the solution, and then here's the backup information if you want to research it yourself. So it's a half an hour a week. You can watch it on Blaze TV. You can also just watch it from economicwarroom.com. Just go there, click on episodes, and you can watch that episode episode and all the previous episodes. And all of it's free if you sign up for our free battle plans. Just give us your email address and we'll send you a weekly update reminder. This is what we're covering. We don't want to be a talking head that gets people upset and angry. We want to be solutions oriented. And we've got 10 of these solutions. The Texas transactional currency is just one of 10 solutions that we've prepared and we're pursuing. I love it. I love it. Okay. So economicwarroom.com. Kevin Freeman, you're the best, and I thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. Wasn't that amazing? 
It's amazing. And it's amazing how Kevin brings hope, um, brings us hope. I'm grateful for that. Maybe I don't do that often enough. And I want to, through my guests, if I can't do it, if I'm discouraged, they can give you practical suggestions about how to, how to manage what it is that we're facing. A preborn is the one that allows us to do this. They are our sponsor. We're so grateful for them. You know what they do? They offer young women who find themselves pregnant, not wanting to be pregnant, and thinking about abortion. They provide them with free ultrasounds. Once a mom hears that heartbeat and sees that precious life, the majority of the time, she will choose life. It's just $28 for one ultrasound. If you haven't made the, the choice to, to, to donate yet, why don't you do that right now? You just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And also, I want to say to you, uh, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can send us an email at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. And if you want to listen to the show, I think the best way is to download the AFR Talk app. And you can hear it anytime, anywhere that you like, even around the globe. So otherwise, you can find it on all the podcast net platforms, um, yeah, Spotify and Apple and all the others. So there you go. There's the commercial part of this day. I just want to remind you that America is a nation founded on the principles of individual liberty and freedom, where the government was to be of the people, by the people, and for the people. This was the case throughout our nation's history, as individual Americans came together to stand up for what was right, regardless of the personal cost. The American economy must remain one controlled by the people and not any government. They could never, ever, we must never seek to use centralized banking to control or subdue the American people. And with that, we'll bring the show to a close. I hope you learned something today, and I hope that God gives you wisdom on how to handle your resources and your money as you hand it, uh, handle, handle it in your lifetime, and then hand it to your children once you're gone. Meanwhile, this has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7.